Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, the morning after the Georgia runoff election that has determined the fate of the Senate. It does appear that uh, Joe Biden will be elected uh, formally by Congress uh, today, and that both Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff will win the Senate seats in Georgia, uh, which will give Democrats 100% control of the institutions in Washington. They'll have the White House, the Senate, and the House. Now, they'll have it by the thinnest of margins in all cases. Uh, The um, Senate will actually technically be 50-50, which means that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, should she take office on January 20th, will have to come over every day to effectuate votes to give Democrats the votes they need. And uh, while the Democrats have control of the town, they don't have many margins for error. They don't have a mass mandate. And um, we're, uh, they're going to have to try to maneuver uh, around a very ambitious left wing of their party that uh, has broad ambitions, bringing new states into the union, uh, getting rid of the electoral college, packing the Supreme Court legalizing illegal immigrants, uh, opening up the border. We can go through them all, DACA. But the truth of the matter is the margins in both institutions are so small. I mean, Nancy Pelosi barely got reelected as House Speaker, and it's going to take the vice president on key key votes to come in. And and sometimes there'll be defectors from the Democratic side. So uh, this is going to be a dynamic we haven't seen in a very long time. And... um, the folks are today asking, how did we get here? Uh, how bad is it going to be or how good is it going to be? Depending on your perspective, you're a Democrat, you think this is great. If you're a Republican, you're demoralized. Um, and uh, we're going to bring in uh, former Congressman Tom Price for many reasons. One, he's from Georgia, so he knows the state really well. and He's going to help us handicap what happened in Georgia last night. Uh, but he also understands uh, politics, policy, Uh, the Congress, and we're going to dig in deep as to what uh, is to be learned from the 2020 election. And uh, I have some thoughts on that I'm going to give you. But first, uh, we're going to be back with Tom Price. But uh, when we first come back from this next commercial break, I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes about some of the thoughts um, I have as someone who's covered Washington for the last 30, 35 years. What I see in the lessons of 2020. They're going to be a little different than what you may be expecting to hear or what you've heard or what you're worried about. But I think these come from a large base of reporting. I've been talking to more than three or four dozen political operatives on both sides, uh, historians, uh, people like Newt Gingrich. We're going to hear from Dr. Tom Price, the former congressman. Uh, But I've synthesized some really interesting Uh, insights from these really smart people. And I just want to share them with you. Let's go to that commercial break. We'll come right back. We'll do that. And then our exclusive interview with Tom Price, the former congressman, the doctor, the former health and human services secretary for Donald Trump. Uh, You're not going to want to miss this. But first, a great message from our great advertisers. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. 
A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back uh, from the commercial break in a few minutes. Dr. Tom Price is going to be joining us, the former congressman from Georgia, the former cabinet member in the Donald Trump administration, the HHS secretary. He's going to help us make sense of Georgia. I want to step back from Georgia and even go further back, because I think a lot of people have been asking me what went on in 2020. Was there widespread fraud? Was there uh, uh, other abuses? Um, what, What happened? And, and I have tried to sit back and do a lot of factual analysis. And uh, I gave you a lot of those this morning in a, in a story I wrote that identified seven things that are irregularities from the 2020 election that are irrefutable. If people say this is baseless, it's not. All of these are confirmed. But here is, here's the top line when you look at it. There isn't a whole lot of evidence that I've been able to find that fake people... Um, or uh, in large numbers, or people who didn't intend to vote ended up voting. Um, There are some. They're in the hundreds or thousands, I think, probably total across many states. Um, But there are uh, other patterns that, and again, there are these data sets like the guys we had yesterday from the uh, Data Integrity Group that, you know, have some interesting things that we need explanations for. But I think in the big picture, beyond the questions of fraud, I think the big lesson for Republicans and conservatives in 2020 is that elections in the 21st century are no longer won after Labor Day. They're won before Labor Day. And uh, David Pluff and the Democrats who advised Obama and advised Biden and laid the game plan for the 2020 election when COVID struck were pretty clear about how you win the election before Labor Day. First, you, you get the rules of the elections changed to your advantage. And second, you own the narrative, whatever it takes. It can even be a false narrative, it turns out, because we had a lot of those in 2020, and we had a lot of those going back to 2016, Russia collusion. I mean, even Jacob Blake, the, uh, the Kenosha shooting, we were told for months as this violence raged in our country that he was unarmed, and it turns out he was armed with a knife. And the officer... Uh, viewed himself as in mortal danger, and that's why he shot, and there's no reason to charge that officer for crimes, according to the prosecutor who looked at this in a, by the way, Democratic city. So that's one false narrative, right? The impeachment, Ukraine, Hunter Biden is a Russian disinformation. Nothing's wrong with Hunter Biden. Well, now he's under criminal investigation. There was Russia collusion until there wasn't, right, when we found out it wasn't true. So the Democrats have 
set up the 2020 election by constantly creating a narrative about Donald Trump. Some things were true narratives. You know, some of his tweets, you can't deny. He said them. He did them. He wrote them. So some of the causticness is a true story. Some of those were uh, false stories. Russia collusion. Uh, the actual presentation by the whistleblower of what happened on the call with the Ukrainian prosecutors. Not true. The claim that Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Uh, and that you, uh, it was all a Russian disinformation thing. It wasn't. The hard drive isn't Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's under criminal investigation has been so since 2018, long before I started writing the stories that the Democrats dissed. But they own the narrative, and they owned it because they have the levers of information pretty well sewed up. The mainstream media clearly leans left today. Pains me to say that, but it's not in doubt anymore. Uh, the... Uh, social media giants, which got us all hooked on the cool tools of Facebook and Twitter. Listen, those are great tools. They're awesome. But now that we're so dependent on them for our businesses, for our communications, for our politics, well, they pulled political advertising out when they wanted to. They uh, marked Donald Trump tweets uh, and censored him. They censored uh, the story about Hunter Biden. All of this from a left perspective, from the game plan of Saul Linsky and and David Pluff and David Axelrod and others was really at the 35,000 foot level, owning the narrative. If you can own the narrative, you can win the election and set the terms of the election and the perceptions of the election, even before the official kickoff on Labor Day. That's the first thing. And, you know, Republicans did this for a long time. How did they do it? Well, going back to the Reagan era, they owned the narrative in the tools of the time, which were direct mail, Richard Vigory, the famous conservative direct mail guy. Uh, everybody got important messages in their old-fashioned mailbox, and it not only asked for money and raised money, but it said a, a story about Ronald Reagan or conservatism or what's wrong with card-carrying ACLU members of the left. That, that uh, uh, communication vehicle was successful for many, many years, but old-fashioned snail mail has become uh, pretty irrelevant today. Uh, if you didn't get your Christmas packages on Christmas, you know a little bit about that. But more importantly, they're just faster, quicker ways to communicate. Email, uh, social media particularly, uh, YouTube, search engine optimization. Um, the Republicans for a long time owned the narrative, controlled the narrative, because they had these amazing radio talk show host bullhorns. Rush Limbaugh, the original giant, Sean Hannity, O'Reilly, and then came Fox News. And for most of the last 30 years, Republicans have had a very strong um, ability to own the narrative through Fox News, uh, through talk radio, through direct mail, and through the you know traditional mediums that rose in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But starting around the time that Barack Obama rose uh, to power in 2008, the communication channels uh, changed, and Republicans have not been that effective, with the exception of Donald Trump on Twitter, um, of owning the narrative as well. And Democrats, because of their alliance with the news media and the bureaucrats that have similar ideologies in government, particularly in the Justice Department, the State Department, um, have been able to own the narrative. Sometimes it's a true narrative. Sometimes it's a false narrative. We've had many, many false narratives, right? in the last three years, but the Democrats controlled it. Adam Schiff could say things that weren't true, and we believed it for two or three years, or we predicated investigations on it, and it turned out it wasn't true. 
That's called owning the narrative. And Republicans right now don't do as good a job owning the narrative storytelling. Uh, and part of it is that they don't own media institutions. And they are now beholden to a Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube universe that is going to censor them, whether information is accurate or not. So if Republicans want to be on the same parallel, fighting with both hands, they need to invest now in a media and social media infrastructure. There are many places to do it. Um, but, you know, Parler is rising up. Well, I'm going to bring on the show later the week, uh, this week the creator of a brand new uh, platform that I'm uh, very interested in and sort of become a, uh, an ambassador for uh, called Clout Hub. It's Facebook and YouTube and, and other social skills all in one uh, outlet. You're going to love to hear from Jeff Brain, the inventor of that, the owner, the founder of that. Uh, we've got um, uh, the new video platform where, by the way, Justin puts all of its videos called Rumble. But these are small in size. They're one-tenth, one-twentieth the size of Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But if Republicans and conservatives want to get on even ground, they got to build these up so that they're not censored, so they're not there, and get them to a scale that by 2022, 2024, they can compete in the social media on-demand video world. Some people believe Drudge has left the conservative movement. Some people believe that... Um, uh, Fox News doesn't fully represent their values anymore. I think there's a good debate on both of those. But if you believe it, that that's your problem, that those are the institutions you used to rely on, just like you relied on talk radio, you got to build new things. So maybe there's someone that builds a new drudge report. The Citizens Free Press is building a lot of traction. Maybe there are others. If, you, if you're worried uh, that Fox News isn't there, there are new alternatives. We're partnered with Real America's Voice. But Republicans need to figure out how to own the narrative the way the Democrats have owned the narrative the last 12 years and particularly the last four years. I mean, they made calling undocumented uh, workers fashionable when in fact they could just as easily be called illegal aliens, right? They, uh, they called them DACA kids, but they're illegally here, right? Uh, they've owned the narrative, the rules, the terms. Uh, they've now owned the social media censorship uh, capabilities. Republicans have to build a media infrastructure, news organizations that tell the story truthfully, social media that won't censor it, uh, and uh, communicators that can deliver it like Ronald Reagan delivered to his generation. We need people that can do that. And uh, if, if you're a conservative, that's what uh, we need. Uh, and uh, if you're a liberal, that's what you need, but I think you've had it for the last few years. The truth of the matter is the people like George Soros and John Podesta and David Pluff and all of the Obama advisors, they figured this out and they executed. They didn't whine, they didn't cry, they didn't complain. They just created the infrastructure. And now if conservatives want to be on an even playing field, they gotta do the same thing. So owning the narrative is the first thing. The second thing that they did so well, and remarkably, they did it well in states where the Republicans control the legislature, they changed the rules of this election. I don't think there's as much widespread fraud, and I think the debate over the last two months has been too much focused on trying to find fraud, which is hard to prove, and not enough on the fact that rules in Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Arizona, in Nevada were changed. The rules were just simply changed. And they were done so 
with, in, uh, except in the case of Nevada, without their legislators' consent. So Republicans control five of those six states, right? Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, uh, Michigan, and Pennsylvania are all Republican-controlled legislatures, and legislatures have the role of setting the rules of election. And Democrats came in through the form of their governors or through negotiation settlements with people like Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and they uh, gained concessions, changes, uh, significant changes to the rules of the election. And those Wisconsin Republican legislators in those states didn't object. They didn't rise up. They didn't fight it. Texas did, but not Wisconsin, not, uh, not Georgia. They made concessions, they made settlements, and the legislature's authority to set the rules the way they wanted was usurped. And in fact, the rules that the legislatures had imposed were not being followed. That could include voter ID, like in Wisconsin, where the voter IDs were obliterated. If uh, Republicans want to get on a playing field, even with them, uh, I had two choices in 2020. They could fight back and, and impose the rules that the legislatures originally had in the states, not allow mass ballots to go out. They didn't succeed at that. The legislators didn't fully uh, uh, utilize their constitutional authority. If you're not going to fight it, then the last thing you want to do is surrender on the terms, and Republicans surrendered on the terms. They refused to engage in the absentee ballot system that they had allowed the Democrats to create. They could have stopped it, but they didn't. Once they allowed them to create the absentee ballot system, they didn't play by the rules. They tried to get everybody out to vote on election day. And, you know, listen, in the middle of a pandemic, there are conservatives who don't want to go out and vote. If you didn't run absentee campaigns and efforts, uh, you may not have succeeded. So if you're going to change the rules, the second lesson here is either play by them or you oppose changing the rules. And in this case, the Republicans had the upper hands in every state but Nevada, and they did it. They're, and those legislatures if they want to change the game for 2022, 2024, they got to go back and impose their will. And not in a mean-spirited way, but just say, listen, the majority of Americans support voter ID. The majority of Americans oppose mass blanket uh, registration being sent out or uh, mass blanket uh, absentee ballots going out. Most Americans support that you only send an absentee ballot to a person who needs it and requests it. Wisconsin didn't do that. They allowed people who didn't need it to self-declare that they deserved an absentee ballot and could skip voter ID, and 200,000 people did, according to the current statistics. So what we have here today is a moment. And and at 30,000 feet, Republicans, conservatives have a challenge. They got to learn how to own the narrative in the era of social media search engine optimization, YouTube, and they've got to build infrastructure and news organizations and uh, drudge reports and podcasts and other things that can even the narrative out with the truth that, you know, reasonable, smart, good information. And then they got to build the delivery systems, the rumbles, the parlors, the um, cloud hubs, need to be supported and grown quickly so that they're on equal power with the liberals' infrastructure on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and and Google. It can be done, but someone has to set out to do it. And then two, Republicans either have to set the rules where they have the power to do the election and enforce them, 
or adapt their practices to the way that the Democrats use the system. It's a very simple thing. You either unilaterally disarm or you engage. And I think the story in Georgia will ultimately be proven that Republicans allowed an absentee ballot, floating ballot box system, and then didn't take advantage of it. They let the Democrats leverage it, and they sat there and tried to do the election the old-fashioned way when there was an easier way to get votes in. And uh, I want to talk to Dr. Tom Price about that because he's been in Georgia. He's watched this for years. He's a studied man, and that's why we're bringing him on the show. He'll be here right after these commercial messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. You've seen him in Congress. You've seen him run our Health and Human Services Department. And he's a doctor on top of it, a great achiever. Dr. Tom Price is joining us today. Sir, welcome to the show. Hey, John, good to be with you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. What a year it's going to be. So we, you know Georgia about as well as anyone. And uh, I wonder if you could give us your assessment of what happened last night and, uh, and uh, what lessons we can learn from it. Yeah, I think this is uh, incredibly important. Um, uh, what happened is that, is that uh, Democrats were successful, I believe, in, in, in taking both of the Senate seats. Um, they did so in a way that uh, basically leapfrogged Republicans' process, strategy, uh, technology, uh, and, uh, and and tactics. Um, and uh, that's to the credit of, uh, of, of folks on the Democrat side, Stacey Abrams being uh, um, the one who kind of championed all of this. Uh, they have perfected harvesting, I believe it's harvesting, of absentee uh, ballots. Um, and uh, I, I think that the numbers will show in this, these runoff races the same as they did in November, and that is that Republicans who lost by close margins won on Election Day, won with early voting in person, and lost significantly on absentee ballots. And so um, we, the conventional wisdom always was absentee ballots kind of broke the same way that regular voting, in-person voting, right. uh, broke uh, in, in elections. Uh, but that's no longer true. Certainly isn't true here in Georgia. And, and, and that's what they've done. And Republicans need to step back and say, OK, uh, we need to do a postmortem. We need to figure out uh, uh, where where things went wrong. But I think we also need to look at the bigger picture. And that is, how are we connecting or not connecting uh, with the electorate? And I think there's a, a lot of introspection and reflection that needs to occur. Yeah, that is such a great a great point because at the end of the day, politics is also ultimately a bond of trust. And if you don't make that connection, even if you got great policies and you got great infrastructure and great ads, if you don't make that connection, uh, you you uh, you fail. And you know, a lot of people always in making talking about that connection. They always talk about the difference between Goldwater and Reagan. They had the same policies and the same vision for America, but one could really connect in a way that the other never did. Um, well, yeah. What are the one of the uh, things that I've been I've been talking to man probably about two dozen three dozen state legislators in the last few days all Republicans all in states 
where the rules were changed in ways that the legislatures never intended. So Georgia, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And uh, it's been a remarkable uh, conversation because these legislators saw in real time last spring and summer, uh, the discussions in Georgia, it was the consent decree and the negotiations in, um, in Wisconsin. It was just the Wisconsin Election Commission acting unilaterally under a Democratic governor. Uh, in Michigan, it was uh, the Secretary of State acting without the legislature's approval. Do you see a moment in the not-so-distant future where these Republican legislatures in these democratically won states go back and say, we are taking back the rules of our elections, that bureaucrats aren't going to set the rules anymore. We are. Is that one of the next steps in this process? Uh, I, absolutely. But it's got to be done in a way that that um, respects uh, the vote, um, encourages individuals to vote, but wants but but articulates it in a way that we want the vote to be done in a fair and open and, and absolutely transparent process. Um the, 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 what the Democrats have done is to is to frame uh, Republican objections to these kinds of activities as wanting to suppress the vote, it, right. it, which is which is nonsense. Um, what what we want is to make sure sure that that those who are eligible to vote are voting in in as big a numbers as possible, uh, but that the, there isn't a, a a thumb or a foot or a brick on the scale. Uh, in a in a non-transparent way, and and thus turning these elections, which is what I think is is likely occurring, um, but that but but that's going to take some time because you've got to again, as you mentioned, you've got to have the trust of the people. Uh, if, if if Republicans are seen as simply saying we don't want folks who aren't going to vote for us to vote, right? Um, and that that's what the narrative on the other side is. If right. that's the way Republicans are seen. Then, then, then any activity that state legislatures do not only will be likely unsuccessful; it may uh, uh, result in significant backlash from from the public. And so, you've got to go out and get that public trust. It, people want elections to be fair. There's no doubt about the vast majority. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about it. And All of our polling shows it. Put your efforts. Yeah, yep, we, we've exactly. had polls, eighty percent or seventy-seven percent of people support voter ID, and uh, you know, sixty-seven yep. percent uh, uh, oppose just mass mailing out ballots to people who didn't ask for them, um, and uh, right. it, the the, the uh, majority of the American people are on the side of this. And I, I think you're right; it's it's about the rhetoric and it's about the way you go about imposing these rules that will make this successful or a failure for for the Republicans. Um, That's the, exactly right. It looks as though Donald Trump won't be president on January 21st. And so the question I have for you, you worked for him, you you know the general, um, you've seen the size of the movement, right? It's 75, 80 million. I just drove through Washington this morning and there are tens of thousands of people uh, in the city with two flags, an American flag and a Trump or MAGA flag together on a pole walking down the street. His movement is you know, undeniably large. As someone who's been in politics and, and really done it well, what does the Republican tar- Party do with the, the Trump movement? How do they nurture it? How do they keep it in there, even if there's a change of guard of different players in Congress and in the White House? Well, I think we even talked about this before, and that is that there's a, a I believe we're in the middle of a realignment of the political parties. And, and when you're in the midst of that storm, it's tough to know which way to turn and, 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 and how to, uh, to accelerate the movement to, to your team. Uh, of folks who might not otherwise have thought that they that, that they would want to come on your team, 
but but it's key to to continue to to touch base with those folks, speak with those folks, and encourage those individuals to continue to be engaged in a positive way, and also to do so with a sense of optimism. That you you mentioned Reagan. Reagan was incredibly successful because he always, as he said, uh, thought it was important to appeal to our better angels, and yeah. and and, Isn't and that, that is yeah. that is so imperative to do in politics. Folks, by and large, want positive, upbeat, optimistic, hopeful messages. They want realistic messages, but they want they want they want to to, to know that whoever is going to lead them is going to lead them in a way that that will uh, uh, um, and encourage individuals to treat each other with respect and 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 dignity, as opposed to um, the the the, the fear mongering, which can get very very old and tiresome. Yeah, that really, that's the key thing. It's about tonality and about messaging. The policies seem to be very popular, right? People want us to contest yep. China's growth of influence. They want uh, fair exactly. and free trade, uh, but free trade without fairness isn't free trade. And and so the, all the policies that Donald Trump, I think, and, and that you helped implement, obviously, as part of the cabinet, they're, they're incredibly popular with the folks. Uh, and it's even appealing more to Hispanics and, and African-Americans and in prior Republican administrations. So it seems to me that the opportunity now is how do you take Donald Trump's vision, message and people and just put a polish on it that makes it connect with people more. When you look at the constituencies that are traditionally been in the uh, Republican fold, and obviously Donald Trump brought a lot more into that, is there one or two particular constituencies that you feel were chagrined by the Trump style that there's a real opportunity to embrace? Is it suburban women? Where, where do you look at the coalitions and say, just with some messaging and connection changes, we can bring them into the tent again? Yeah, I think I, I think there are a number of them. One, one you mentioned suburban women, and it and it's very clear that suburban women, by and large, uh, are are questioning whether or not, or or have, have uh, outright neglected uh, or rejected uh, whether or not Republicans. Um, at the national level are able to embrace the kinds of things that they believe are most helpful for themselves and for their families. And, right. and uh, um, you know, women make, make uh, a huge majority of percentage of decisions in, in the household for so many things, uh, not just health care. It certainly is health care, but, uh, but so many, many things. And, and so you've, you've, you've got to be able to have a message that, that speaks to their concerns. Um, young people, I, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, the Reagan revolution, um, was so many of us who, who, who are, were attracted to public service were uh, uh, did so because of what Reagan brought about. Again, that optimistic, upbeat, positive um, um, America first, yes, but uh, but but principled um, uh, policy making uh, uh, posture. And and so, young people, you, we've just got to uh, the next generation. Uh, you know, you got to continue to 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 speak to them and to listen to their uh, their concerns. And then I think. Um, uh, uh, minorities uh, are are, are um, ripe for a message of optimism and and encouragement and 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 free markets and and economic prosperity and and opportunities that uh, that the GOP uh, certainly embraces but has uh, has had a difficult time translating. So whether it's African Americans, whether it's Latinos, whether it's Asian Americans, or, or or the like, I think all of those, most many of those folks, most of those folks uh, um, um, who are out there are in small business um, and 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 small business is so incredibly important is. to the vibrancy and the success of the country yeah we keep talking about the big giant companies right because they either have big layoffs or big earnings 
But the engine of the American economy is that Main Street small business, whether it's the dry cleaner, the restaurant. And of course, That's right. they have taken a beating in the last year, even with all of the great things that oh. Job Creators Network and other people have done to get the PPP and loans in. That the, the engine of America that has made us strong for 50, 60, 70 years is, is in grave danger. That's right. What do you think uh, can be done if, if there's a Democratic Senate, Democratic House, and a Joe Biden? What are some of the policy areas where Republicans can create success and engage with the, the Democrats and, and do something? Is it, do you, do you look for more aid post-COVID? Do you look for infrastructure? Do you see some places where Republicans can work together and, and distinguish themselves, but still uh, create good for the American people? Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned infrastructure, and I think it's probably on the top of the list of the of the uh, policies that uh, that should be bipartisan and 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 uh, are absolutely vitally necessary. We've got infrastructure failures that we see every single day across this country because we've allowed our systems to to uh, to age out and continue to use them, and they and they're and they're um, um, uh, taxed from a from a utilization standpoint uh, to to a fairly well. So. Uh, infrastructure is is absolutely significant. I'm as a physician, I always believe healthcare can be a bipartisan sure. issue. Um, if, if, if you think and talk about the principles that we believe in, you know, you want to everybody have access to co- to care and 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 affordable care uh, and and coverage, uh, quality coverage and 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 care and certainly choices for patients. And so, if if you think about it in those terms, then I think there are some opportunities to. To, uh, uh, to have some bipartisan activity there. And then um, uh, economic development uh, is, is, is vital, and that's where, again, small business comes in. And, and um, uh, it, it's not that, that small businesses are, are ideological, because most of them aren't. They, right. they, they, they want to be, they, they wanna be uh, uh, basically left alone and allowed to, to uh, yeah, be successful. Uh, follow their dreams and, and be successful. And, and, yeah. and so we, we, uh, we ought to be able to, to, to work in a bipartisan way to uh, encourage small business, not just formation, but success and expansion. When you look out now, because obviously there'll be a changing of the guard. Now, Donald Trump's not going to fade away. That's not his style, nor will his movement want him to fade away. But when you look out on the horizon, who are some of the next generation Republicans that get you excited that can fulfill some of these mission tasks that you just you do? You, you literally created a great battlefield plan here. Who are some of those people that you think are going to step up in and fill the next generation of Republican leadership uh, jobs? Well, you've, you've got so many folks, and I think it's interesting because when you look across the uh, uh, the House floor, you look at House leadership. You, yeah. you, you look across the Senate floor. Many of the uh, the individuals that are on the Republican side um, are younger. They uh, are and, and are, are are remarkably accomplished. Um, and, uh, uh, and 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 we haven't told that story well at all. Uh, so uh, so whether it's uh, um, uh, Nikki Haley, who I think is is just a star uh, uh, in, in in the Republican Party, right? Uh, uh, whether it's uh, um, uh, you, you know the, uh, the the folks who who stood up and and and, and fought for freedom and, and and liberty out there, whether it's Rand Paul or or Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or uh, or, or folks uh, uh, like that, right. uh, um, and then you've got. Uh, you know, I've been gone from the house now, uh, um, uh, uh, almost, I guess, four years. It's the, hard the, to next, believe it's been month. four years. It doesn't feel hard like that. Believe. Yeah. No, but, uh, and, and so there's been a huge changing of the guard there. And I, and I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with those folks that are, that are, uh, uh who, who are, are visionaries there and, and, and can lead the charge, but there, uh, people will rise up. And that's the important thing that I think 
that, that politics is dynamic. It's a pendulum. Uh, we've seen a, a, a move away from Republicans in certain areas, but we've also seen a move toward Republicans. So the, the number of Republican women who were elected to the House this year, I think is incredibly Historic. exciting yeah. and invigorating. And, and, uh, and we ought to embrace that and tell that story. If you if you asked 100 uh, folks on the street uh, if they even knew that, uh, I'll bet 98 wouldn't. Oh. Um, and 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 we 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 rarely tell the positive story about the good things that that uh, that we're doing. We 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 think people are paying attention, but people are paying attention to their their yeah. homes and their families too and, busy. Their, and their jobs. They're too busy. Exactly right. So you've yeah. got to you've got to in a positive, upbeat way, and uh, and and just just be able to reach them with the kinds of things that they would appreciate. And, and, and I think we'll, and, but, but we've got to do that. We haven't done that well at all. Yeah. That's such a good point. And that brings me to the last thing I want to talk to you about. So the, when you read the David Pluffs, when you read the David Axelrods, when you read their vision, of how they were going to win this 2020 election, cause they put it out right out in plain view. It wasn't a hard uh, to figure out what they were going to do. Changing the election rules was clearly a big part of it. Uh, but a second part of it was owning the story, owning the narrative and uh, the Republicans have had such a long and, and, and I think what people can say a justified distrust of the media, particularly after the Russia collusion story that got sold to us. Or even let's take the Blake story in Kenosha where the guy was armed and for seven months we were told he was unarmed. When you go through that, do the Republicans, uh, they've been relying on two things for probably about 40 years, right? Uh, well, three things, direct mail, Richard Vigri, that great era, and then the talk radio and then the advent of Fox News. Do Republicans need to create an information infrastructure, their own Facebook, their own uh, Twitter, their own uh, newspapers, so that uh, their messages can reach large numbers of people like the liberal messages do today? Absolutely, without a doubt. And I, and, and I would point to this recent election here in Georgia as the prime example. Um, we had a nine-week runoff election in two United States Senate races for the most uh, important thing in in in, uh, in Washington. That was uh, to have whether or not you got balanced uh, of power or whether you have one party control. Eight hundred and thirty million dollars, just under a billion dollars. <sighs> hard to imagine. Nine weeks here. Yeah. Uh, on 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 uh, uh, network advertising and on direct mail, and 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 it didn't change. The, the, the message that I want to get out here is, is, is the take home message is it didn't change the numbers significantly right. because the election on, uh, yesterday was within one percent for these folks as that it was um, uh, nine weeks ago. Right. And so that what that tells me is that is that we're just playing to a draw. Yeah. Uh, we're not reaching folks. And, and, and so we've got to be creative about how we're reaching them. And I think we've got to be able to control uh, and, and, and own a lot of that messaging. And, and we just don't right now. And so that's where I would put a lot of effort to, and focus from a strategic standpoint. Yeah, that's such a great point. There's so much work to be done. I know a lot of people spend the time after election loss with recriminations. But the real opportunity here is uh, 1992, Bill Clinton gave the Republicans the 1994 revolution, right? And I think yep. that if conservatives and Republicans don't fight much, just get right back to figuring out the way they can do this. They can build an infrastructure to get back and and take these places back. Uh, Dr. Price, I can't thank you enough for all you do and for, for joining us here and giving us some great insights. I know people are going to love this uh, this playbook that you put before us. John, you're very kind. Take care. Be well. Be safe. And, uh, uh, and, and all the best to you. Happy New Year. You too, sir. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. 
Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It's time to wrap it up. Yes, probably by the time you listen to this, or certainly by tomorrow, Joe Biden will be officially the president-elect declared by Congress. And I do believe that Ossoff will have been declared the winner in Georgia soon. Warnock already has. And uh, Washington's becoming a Democrat town, uh, but narrow margins. And as I talked about, there's two ways to go about this. If you're a conservative or Republican, you can spit in the wind and curse the darkness, or you can do what Newt Gingrich did after Bill Clinton's stunning win in 1992 and in 1993, build a new revolution. And you got to play on the terms and times of the day. That means more social media, more narrative owning, taking ownership of the voting rules that legislatures are allowed to set. Republicans have a lot of tools here. Will they use them? We'll find out. There's two ways to go. Mourn and weep and close up into a fetal position or get out there and replicate history. Every movement can create an equal and opposite reaction. Donald Trump has inspired 75 million Americans to get involved in the Republican Party. If they can learn how to own the narrative better, if they can develop those delivery content systems and social systems, the alternate uh, universe of social media, if they can get better news coverage by investing in news institutions and content institutions, uh, they can own the narrative. And if they take use their legislatures to reset, recalibrate the rules, uh, and it, not in a mean way, we don't want to scare people by thinking Republicans are the party of repression. But listen, people support voter ID. We want, I think most Americans want every legal vote and only every legal vote to count. There's a way to message that narrative, own that narrative, and impose that narrative in a way that will make America happy and trusting in their elections. 31% of people in our poll say they don't uh, believe the election results. When a third of America doesn't trust a presidential election result in the greatest democracy and constitutional republic in America, there's a problem, but it's a problem that can be fixed. Remember, all those things we talked about today— Rumble, Parler, and uh, the new platform that I've been studying. I'm on Rumble and Parler every day doing lots of things. So is just the news. Uh, but now CloudHub, um, there are all sorts of opportunities. There are more just the news that can be created. We can grow just the news if you like it. But sitting on your hands is, and crying is not a solution. Newt Gingrich proved that in 93. You could quickly come back from a big election whooping. This is an election whooping for Republicans. Uh, there's two messages you can take from it. Fix it or live with it and whine for a long time. And I, I think we'll find out soon who rises up in the party to get the work done. Uh, we'll talk about this more tomorrow. We'll be back with another edition of John Solomon Reports tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all you do to support Just the News, to read us, to share us, to consume us, uh, to spread the word. We hope we are becoming a trusted news source for you. And we thank you. God bless you. God bless America. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.